Welcome to the Winner Circle with Derek Pang. On this podcast, I'll be introducing you to real-world heroes who have stepped outside their safe, known worlds to pursue and live their win, their best lives. This is a choice we all get to make. The intention behind these conversations is to inspire you to move forward with greater faith, trust, and belief in yourself on your hero's journey ahead. Let's go, hero. All right, we're live, and I'm very excited to introduce you to all to today's guests. On today's episode, I interview a Cree Métis woman and yoga teacher who weaves the worlds of Indigenous wisdom and yogic knowledge together. Welcome to the Winner Circle, Melina Dawn. Hi, so happy to be here, Tansi. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this podcast, my goal with this podcast is, is to be a very positive, uplifting, inspiring podcast. There's a lot of chaos going on, on in the world, and I like to keep these things light. So with my very first question, it's a really light, positive question, and that is, Melina Dawn, what do you love about your world right now? Oh, yeah. Thank you. That is a really beautiful question. You know, I love that because um, before I answer it, I spend, I get to spend time with elders in some of the work that I do. And anytime we open up a space together, that elder, when they're speaking words into the circle of people, uh, always starts with with honoring and with gratitude and with acknowledging the beauty that exists all around us. So I've been um, grateful to um, be reminded of that. So that's what your question reminds me of. It's such a good way to open. Um, In my world, I would say, oh, what's lighting me up? I mean, I'm surrounded by good medicine. I really am every single day. I mean, my work, Uh, my dharma, you know, yoga, I get to be in spaces with people, I get to have very rich conversations with um, committees that I'm on that talk about indigenizing spaces. Um, I, I am lucky enough to have a roof over my head and clean water to drink and, um, clean food, you know, like I feel very, very fortunate, especially with the state of the world these days. I feel like I am just surrounded by blessings and good friends and my family as well. And so, um, yeah, I would say those are some of the things that that are really well in my world, fortunately. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing. So um, as we get to know you, I feel one really great question to know an individual is, to know their mission, all companies and organizations have missions that act as their guiding star, um, their guiding star through all that they do. And I believe we as humans should also be aware of our mission. And our mission can be always changing, but it's great to have one in place to have like that guiding North Star. Then um, this mission goes in all our personal interactions, our professional interactions, and everything in between. So with that said, what is your current mission here on this reality plane? Hmm. Um, I would say that my mission, my mission is to walk with love and to walk with integrity and to speak the truth and to walk with courage so that in every interaction that I have, every choice that I have, 
every relationship that I forge, that it is lifting it up from the inside out. And that's, that's an indigenous way of being. And it's also, you know, that's also woven into the ethics of yoga. So I would say that I'm, I see myself as like a hollow bone for the creator to just move me through this earth walk in whatever way I'm supposed to be. So I let myself open and then I walk with those things so that, um, you know, when I do leave this earth plane, hopefully I'm leaving it a little bit better than before. Mm -hmm. So this podcast is called Welcome to the Winter Circle. And the reason for this name is I believe we could all be winners and it starts with a choice. And a winner to me is someone that embraces the progress rather than the destination. We live in a very destination-oriented society. When I get this job, when I get this possession, when I get this relationship, when I get this whatever, um, I'll be happy. And then we get there and maybe there's some momentary pleasure, joy, happiness, and then it's always now what? And it's because we're missing the song. We're missing the sweetness of that path. And that's the process. So to me, winning is about the process and it's a choice just to set your sight on something and say yes and on that path we may get to that place but many doors will open that otherwise wouldn't have been there so it's a little bit of history of the name of this show um, and my question to you now is what does winning mean to you what does your going for your win look like for you in your life Oh, that's a good question. And I like how you framed it that way, because in the Western culture, it's true, winning has a very specific current kind of connotation to it. But the way that I've been raised with my culture and, you know, steeped in the yogic teachings, winning looks very different. It's like um, becoming simpler, really. And, and um, I would say that when I feel like I'm trying to find a, a word that maybe I can compare to this word winning, but I would say when I feel like I'm in harmony with myself and with the land and with the people that I come into contact with, um, that's what feels like winning to me is when there's collaboration and when everybody is being seen and all gifts are being um, acknowledged and there's a reciprocity in, in life. I would say that that is what it feels like for me. Uh, winning for me is very much steeped in service. Like how can I be of service to whatever comes into my path every single day? So it's not an individual um, sort of thing. It's more like um, my eye is on the whole that and that's, you know, it's been a journey to arrive at that. It hasn't always been that way growing up in the Western culture, but I would say winning now is like um, reciprocal relationship. Mm -hmm. So let's celebrate some of your wins. And I say the, that those wins in quotation, what are some wins that you are most proud of that you've, that you've had success with on your journey? Oh gosh. Um, I guess one of the first wins that comes to mind is just really listening to my inner voice. I've always done that since I was a kid. You could ask my parents and they would <laughs> definitely agree that I always kind of marched to the beat of my own drum. 
And it's, it's that that has guided me through everything. So the first win would be listening to my intuition or that little voice or that, you know, my spirit inside or that nudging to go out and do whatever it is I'm being called to do. Um, I would say that's the first win. Without that, nothing else would have happened. In the um, beyond that, I would say another win would be reclaiming my culture because I didn't grow up with it. Um, I grew up, you know, um, Catholic and just didn't really know much about my roots beyond just, you know, a couple little things. The way I was raised, I would say, was very Indigenous, like with a lot of love and, and really good values. But as far as, you know, seeing my culture in the things that my family was doing, I didn't. And so reclaiming that has been a huge win and has massively changed my life. Um, and beyond that, you know, winning the other wins, I would say, is using the things that I have learned on my journey, the healing things like my cultural ways of being and the yogic ways of, of being has helped me to create harmony and healing in my relationships. Again, to earth, to myself, um, to people, to our um, animal relatives. And those to me are wins, is like using that good medicine so that there's harmony in interaction. So I think those are the first, first ones that sort of rise up into my mind. Mm -hmm. So let's hit the rewind button and let's trace things back to your origin story. So let's trace things back to the origin story um, about, yeah, your, 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 how you grew up, how you right away started listening to that intuition, how you reclaimed your indigenous culture, and then how you found yoga. Sure, yeah. Um, let's see, how far back am I gonna rewind? <laughs> um, well, you know, I was raised on a farm in Saskatchewan and um, had a great, wonderful family to, to instill goodness within me. And I would say that my parents, they really supported me in my uniqueness. They didn't ever try to box me in. And so like, thank you, mom and dad for supporting that. They saw that my spirit was the way that it was. And so, you know, after growing up on the farm and finishing high school, uh, I started to feel that what you call adventure sort of calling. And so I started, I went out into the world. I, you know, I've lived in different cities and I found yoga very early after I left high school. I started reading it in books. I, I read about yoga in a textbook. And I remember looking at the language of yoga and thinking, oh my gosh, this is describing how I see and feel the world. I didn't even know it was a whole system that comes from another culture. So it really blew my mind. It was like an aha, like something just clicked when I started reading and studying yoga. And from there, you know, um, it, it was a long process. You know, life takes you in so many different directions. And for me, I was called all over the place and I started traveling around the world and I felt really drawn to different cultures, specifically cultures that were connecting to something deep, you know? Um, I was really drawn to music in culture and to ceremony in culture. Um, to the beauty in culture that was rooted in land. And I would, you know, I found that all over the place and I went to India to continue studying yoga. And 
I traveled and traveled and traveled. And, you know, along the way, there are certain people that sort of pop up in your journey to help guide you. That's how I've experienced anyways. And I remember ending up in Israel one time and I was in the kitchen with my friend, his grandmother. So this, this um, Israeli grandma. And she looked at me and she says, you should go home. And I went, what? what, what do you mean? And she says, yeah, I think you should go home back to your land. And, you know, it's just one of those moments where it's like time just stopped. And I'm like, whoa, who is talking to me right now? Like it was not this, this woman, this elder woman. It was, but it was something else. And that was, that really impacted me. And I did end up going back and eventually, you know, after experimenting with a lot of different cultures, you know, I was in ayahuasca ceremonies for many years and, and tried different kind of cultural um, medicines in, in different ways. And eventually I landed back up north where my mom was born, up in the traditional territory of the Metis and the Dene and the Salt River Nation, up in Fort Smith in the Northwest Territories. And it was there that I met an elder and I sat in my first drum circle. And when I heard that heartbeat drum for the first time, my heart, I felt home. That feeling that I had been looking for all over the planet. And I didn't realize that it was in my own blood, my own bones, my own culture, my own cultural ways, because that's how colonization is, right? It's like the last place that you look for home. And so I landed there. And from that moment, when I look back now, from that moment, everything changed massively. And that elder kind of, she took me under her wing and she started mentoring mentoring me. And uh, we have a, a great relationship to this day. Um, but meeting, you know, going back to the land of my family, like there's something like actually in the land, in the earth where my ancestors walked and hunted and still hunt and live in those ways and take care of each other. And my, my kukum and my musham, my granny and my grandfather lived and raised 16 children. And there's just, there's more than just story it's like when you go back to your land and your own culture it's living it's alive and it nourishes you and that that was my experience of it and so there was sort of like a weaving of uh healing that came through reclaiming my culture but also you know i was practicing yoga through all of these years as well with different teachers and somewhere somewhere indian and i went to india to explore the depths of the practice because it really you know i felt also india the land of india it also called me through dreams you know i'm a dreamer and uh and so i i followed that call and i went to the land where it comes from so in all of these, um, within my journey, I found myself just following the medicine, following the good medicine, and eventually finding that, that I was landing at home within myself. So once I landed at home within myself and I had all these good tools and I spent enough time like learning the teachings, it's, you know, then you start to share once it's integrated and whatnot. And it's definitely not a linear journey, but 
I would say that's a little bit about how I came to be where I am and infused within that was, you know, my own deep desire to heal from trauma that I experienced when I was a kid. Uh, yoga was the first thing that helped me to start to understand and heal myself through the practice and also my cultural ways have been immensely helpful in helping me to heal my trauma and <clears throat> put different kinds of words to the experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot to unpack there, um, but let's let's start with um, listening to that intuition all throughout your origin story that you just discussed. Um, you said yes. You said yes to traveling around the world. You said yes to studying yoga in India. You said yes to um, experimenting with plant medicine, including ayahuasca. You said yes um, to listening to that grandma and going back home. You said yes to reclaiming your culture. All these um, hard decisions that a lot of people would be would bring up a lot of fear because I believe it is in our being that humans, they like their known comfortable world. And even if that known comfortable world is not great or even terrible, at least they know what's going to come up the next hour, the next day. It's, it's familiar. So a lot of people are stuck, are stuck on their path at that crossroads of should and must. Most people are held in their place by the shoulds, shoulds of society, shoulds of culture, shoulds of their family, their friends, and all the way down the line. So how did you, like, how did you trust your intuition so well? Um, you said it has always been a part of you and what advice would you give a hero on the journey where they're feeling that call? They're feeling that call to pursue their dream, to start a business, to do a yoga training, to reclaim their culture, to travel the world, to move cities. What advice would you give that hero on that path? Mm, yeah. Well, first of all, I think it's important to know that um, it is scary. It's it's scary to say yes, um, but it can also be incredibly deadening to the spirit to say no. And when I was navigating my yeses and my nos, you know, through all the things I was doing, I had many times and phases where I was in like, I had solid work, you know, government work, and I was making good money, or, you know, I had that security and that safety that you speak about. But I could feel inside, it was like I was dying, like I wasn't being nourished on all levels of my being. And I couldn't live like that. I couldn't live in a way that just felt great. And so to me, it's like, do you wanna live like that? Or do you wanna take the, re the risk and live fully and find that vibrancy and, and go towards that thing that lights you up from the inside because life is short and it's impermanent. And we're here to uh, adventure and to step into that great mystery. You know, that's my, that was my personal feeling of it. I just, every single time I reached that threshold where I was growing and I had grown past the experience that I was in, I knew when it was time to jump to the next thing because I wasn't feeling nourished anymore. It was actually going in the opposite direction. And that was not okay for me. I refuse to live in a way that is less than or that 
is just, you know, without sparkle or without beauty, because that to me is life. Life is so beautiful, uh, even within all the challenges and whatnot. So I would say that that's the first thing. And to know that when you're growing, when you're reaching the threshold of the next layer of your awareness, um, fear is a natural part of the process that comes up. You know, I don't think that anybody who in the history of humanity has, you know, all these these courageous heroes and heroines that we see, I don't think that any of them didn't feel fear at some point in their journey. So it's, it's very natural. And, and we have to, you know, it's a discernment that happens where when we start to grow and we get close to a new yes, that the closer you get to it, sometimes the stronger the fear gets, because what we're doing is we're shedding another layer of our identity, you know, and this is kind of going more into like yogic philosophy, um, as far as detachment and letting, uh, letting attachment to identity and who you are and what you think you need in life, that all has to fall away in order for you to bloom and go into the next phase. And that's scary. That's not an easy thing to do. So I would say, you know, to be aware of those things and to find the tools and the medicine around you that support that transformational process. I would say like the ceremonies that I have learned and been part of in my culture, the relationships that I have uh, to people that encourage me to follow my spirit, the yoga practice, all of these things, they help me in the transformation and in that process of no to yes, because we need support around us in order to just to say yes, you know, to, to differing degrees, depending on who you are. Mm -hmm. So um, amongst all your travels, you've gathered um, and accumulated so many different tools. And a commonality they see amongst people is they're just gathering tools. I need this tool. I need this tool. I need this tool. Um, rather than using the tools you have and moving forward. So how do you find that balance of growing, evolving, getting new tools, but also knowing at the same time exactly where you are right now is enough and exactly where you need to be. Yeah, totally. I hear that. But yeah, I've seen that too, where you can, you know, a person can get stuck in learning like i'm still learning i'm still learning i don't know enough yet right but there that's where i would say it comes to being the little jumping mouse you know we have a little jumping mouse in the southern direction of the medicine wheel where there comes a time where you're uncertain there's the great mystery it seems like the edge and you're going to fall off of the face of the earth but you have to jump and trust you know there's a trust in creation, creator, the God of your understanding, your spirit, your soul, whatever it is that you believe in, there, there has to be an element of trust that is in the process. And I would say that that's something I've always naturally had is this trust. Um, and so it is important to learn but also to take that chance because that's also how you grow your wisdom and how you mature is by taking those little risks and taking those little jumps and just starting to use the tools, you know, mm. instead of just like gathering them, it's like, okay, gather them, but integrating them is using them and sharing them or whatever that looks like to you. Mm -hmm. And whatever happens along the way, it's happening for you yeah. versus to you. I that's love, a, yeah. Yeah. It's a big part for me. I love um, that perspective. I really agree with that too. 
Mm -hmm. So of all these cultures you've visited, what is the commonality that you've seen amongst people around the world? Oh, um, I would say that the commonality, some of the commonalities, I think there's many, is that first of all, we don't just live in a physically manifest world. We live also side by side with the spirit world. And cultures, you know, indigenous cultures that are still connected to that, it's so alive in the language. It's alive in the way the rituals, the ceremonies, just the way of being every day in um, the prayer, in connection to the earth. So I would say that's, that's one thing is that uh, the spirit world is something that is acknowledged and spoken to, and there are ways of connecting to the spirit world. Um, we might also call it the great mystery. You know, there's there's many names for that which can't be named. Um, I, I tend to refer to it as the spirit world. So that would be one thing that I felt was always present in all these different cultures, um, as well as there's like a devotion and an honoring of beauty. I think that cultures that are so deeply rooted in land and self and each other and that you know sense of harmony, there's a beauty that we are calling on, that we are honoring every day because what we think of and what we what we do in our lives in these rituals, like on a day-to-day -day basis, we're dreaming that into the next moment. That's what one of my elders says is like, we're dreaming it into manifestation. And so we want to dream beauty into this world. And that's a big, big part of indigenous cultures is, is beauty and gratitude and honoring. So um, as well as learn, learning how to heal yourself, I would say that's the other really big commonality that uh, depending on what culture you go to, there's going to be ways of healing, traditional ways of healing. Maybe it's with plant medicines, maybe it's not. Maybe it's with different kinds of ceremonies um, or diff like different ways of praying or chanting, you know, or singing or um, whatever the medicines are. There's a uh, a self knowing and a self knowledge that gets passed down through the generations that says, okay, when this, when you have this experience in your life, these are the medicines you can turn to. If you get hurt on this journey of life, these are the medicines you can turn to. These are the elders. These are the keepers of the knowledge of the medicines that you can turn to. Like that is also very, very deeply infused into the cultures that I've experienced. Mm -hmm. So trauma and, and healing has come up a few times in this conversation. So let's take a moment to talk about that, about healing um, our past and healing our trauma. What have you learned about that? And what has that process looked like for you? Oh, healing my trauma and my past. Well, it has been a long journey. It's been a long journey. It has been a a beautiful journey and a challenging journey. Um, and I think in order to heal trauma, one needs, you know, a balance of being gentle on yourself, being patient, and being courageous to face that which is, you know, still living in the body and the tissues and the bones. And that, you know, that's one thing I've come to understand through different trauma, um, strength-based trauma informed 
um, trainings that I've done and through yoga and just the different teachers that I've had is that our trauma lives in our bodies, right? And so in order to heal any trauma that um, that is still in your body, you need to go into the body to do that. And I started before I had an understanding of trauma, you know, like this was probably um, 15 years ago when I started like practicing yoga like steadily and was having these ex these healing experiences from the yoga practice. And back then we weren't talking about trauma the same way that we are now. There's a lot more information and understanding around it these days. So, um, but even though I didn't know the yoga practice, because it's so embodied and it, it works with the breath and the breath in the body and it works really heavily on the nervous system. Um, I was starting to, to catch that understanding that, okay, this is a healing space. Something is happening here for me. And, you know, I'd have these emotional releases that would come up from the physical practice that would bring me back to like memories or experiences that I had had. And, and it was a really beautiful discovery before I understood deeper, like the science behind why that was happening. Um, and same thing with, you know, finding my way back to culture or like the, the plant medicines that I sat with, all of these things have really helped me to dive deeply into my tissues and to find a way to like integrate, to feel what I experienced so that I could heal it. That is, I think, one of the keys that I've come to understand in this journey of healing is you need to feel in order to heal. Um, and so growing your emotional intelligence is really important. I find that I talk about that a lot in my yoga classes to help people understand that, you know, in the medicine wheel, we have our physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual self. And when you, um, if you want to access one part of the medicine wheel, but it's kind of hard to get into that part of yourself, you can go in through another place, you know? And so it all kind of works together. Um, so I would say that in the course of my adult life, what I really had to learn was how to feel. I had to learn how to feel, how to work with my emotions, how to welcome them in without getting stuck in them. Um, how to understand that feeling is a strength, it's not a weakness, and that it really cleanses, you know, because in my culture, we say that your water, you know, when you cry, it's your sacred water, and it's sacred water because it cleanses your heart, and that's been my experience of it. So, um, you know, there are so many layers and so many different ways of, of healing and when it comes to trauma, but those are some of the things that I've learned in my personal experience. Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk about emotional intelligence. How could we begin nurturing and growing our emotional intelligence? Mm. <laughs> That's a big question. <laughs> well, in order to feel your emotions, you need to be in your body. So being with other people who are in their bodies uh, in a good way is one way that you can grow your emotional intelligence, okay? Because the way that, you know, the roots of trees are, are connected, right? And they have this whole way of communicating in the land, trees do. And our nervous systems are exactly the same way. So if you are 
trying to heal certain things within yourself or trying to awaken different abilities within your body mind system you're going to want to find somebody to spend time with who has that realized within themselves and deeply um, embodied in their nervous system because you know and i'm sure you felt it you spend time with um, someone that you look up to or a teacher of some particular modality and there's like a vibration there's a very palpable feeling in the very air around you that starts to shift how you feel in your body and your mind and you experience things um, like maybe differently than that you maybe wouldn't necessarily have access to if you weren't around this person right and this is like the story of gurus in in india and in yoga for example is if you want to become enlightened you have to sit with an enlightened master right so if you want to start feeling your emotions you want to spend time and go towards the people that know how to do that so that it's not something that you are trying to understand in your mind alone but it's something that you are getting that transmission physically in your body and in your nervous system um and there i'm sure there are many many ways of doing this ceremony is a great way of helping people to connect to their emotional self um, and so is yoga and that's one of the reasons why i love both of those roads so much is it's just like okay let's get in the body let's feel our feelings but let's do it in a gentle way and let's do it in a beautiful way where we're honoring that this is a strength and we all have this shared experience of being human and having our hurts but there's a way of healing through this in a good way mm -hmm. so let's talk about that from all you've learned about yoga what is yoga? I believe there's a lot of misconception on what yoga is. And a lot of people just believe yoga to only be the postures, the asanas, but it's much deeper than that. So from what you've learned, what is yoga? Oh, gosh. Well, yeah, that's true. Yoga is, I mean, originally, it is a, a path that is set for people to become self-realized, to become enlightened. That is ultimately what yoga is and what it's for um now on that journey everybody has a different state of consciousness and so you're going to find yourself at a different place when it comes to understanding what yoga is in the west for sure it has been diluted i would say like the good medicine and the purpose of yoga has been massively diluted and there's been a great disservice to it in that process because um when we don't stay true to the roots and the reasons for these systems this scientific system of of awakening and of good medicine um then we're just we're getting we're just getting something that's kind of gray maybe makes us feel good for a little while but we don't really understand what it could really be used for you know and so if, i think if we were all learning like the real yoga you know, we could change the face of the earth and our consciousness, you know, that mass consciousness would shift if we had our, our sights set higher than just a fitness class, because it's not, you know, and the beautiful thing about yoga is you can, you can learn what it is, and then you teach to people where they're at, you know, but you don't leave, you don't leave out that, that real reason for it, you know, it helps us to awaken. Um, if I'm looking at it through the medicine wheel again, which I often do, I compare the two roads. There's a lot of similarities between indigenous way of being, um, you know, on like Turtle Island here 
um, as well as indigenous ways of knowing and being in India, because really like the roots of it are indigenous to that land and has been passed down. Um, and so if I look at it through the medicine wheel, yoga is something that helps us to harmonize our physical body, our emotional body, our mental body, and our spiritual body, and helps us to strengthen and fortify all parts of those selves so that we can see clearer uh, reality and self and each other um, through, you know, compassion and through um, right knowledge, I would say. So it is most definitely not <laughs> a fitness class. <laughs> mm -hmm. Fitness, you know, it, it's something that can come as a byproduct, but when you're using the system of yoga in that sort of traditional way, you get so much more nourishment out of it and, and you grow. And um, that's something that can help you, you know, if you, if you feel that you're someone on this hero's journey or this heroine's journey, and you really wanna strengthen yourself, use the real yoga system because it has all the teachings in it that help us when we come to those places of uncertainty in life or we're having a hard time letting go of some aspect of ourself or integrating our human experience. It has everything. It has everything for our human experience. It's like, it's just so incredible. I, I'm constantly, my mind is just blown by yoga over and over and over. Mm -hmm. Another tool that we could use is the indigenous medicine wheel. Can you explain what that is for those not familiar? Um, you could go on about this, but just a short like explanation um, of what the medicine wheel is and how you've incorporated it into your life. Yeah, I mean, the medicine wheel is a teaching that many, um, many indigenous cultures share. And there are the thing to know about it is that there's not just one teaching, right, because every nation is so unique, and they have unique teachings about the medicine wheel. So when I say the medicine wheel, I have certain teachings that have been passed down to me from my elders. Um, but essentially, what it is, is life you know the medicine wheel is life and it's how we see and understand how to walk through life and there is like i said in the four directions we have the physical self we have the emotional self we have the mental self we have the spiritual self within that we can within learning the teachings we can learn how to balance and harmonize these four aspects of ourselves so that we're walking we're walking in balance there are many other teachings within the medicine wheel like way too many to to name it's it's like the system of yoga when you spend time with elders and you just keep learning there's more and more and more to learn about them but uh, everything in life is placed on the medicine wheel and one of the beliefs is that we are all equal on the medicine wheel everybody has their place on the medicine wheel and ultimately we want to walk in love in respect in courage in compassion towards everything in creation including ourselves you know so when i say the medicine wheel it is um very much it's a way of being and seeing in the world and learning how to balance those energies and, and understand them. Mm -hmm. So, so much of this knowledge and wisdom um, you've so graciously shared so far have been things you've learned from elders, mentors, and helpers you've met along the way. So let's take a moment to acknowledge some of these mentors and helpers um, 
who are they and what were your main takeaways that you learned from them that you incorporated into your being? Oh my goodness, there's so many. Uh, but thank you for saying that because I think that lineage is really important. To have teachings passed down and have permission to share teachings is really important. Um, in a culture where, um, you know, the overculture and main, mainstream culture is kind of like, I'm going to do whatever I want to do and I'm just going to share whatever I want to share and there's like a lot of ego in it. Um, these ways, you know, lineage is very different from that. And that goes for indigenous ways as well as yogic ways. So just thank you for even speaking that into the space. I really appreciate that. Um, I've had so many teachers. Some are in body, some are not in body. Um, one of my elders, um, she's a Métis grandmother and her name is Aline Laflamme. She is the elder that I met up north um, in my first drum circle. And she, I, it's so hard to speak to what exactly I've learned from her because I've learned so much since her and I met, but um, she has really helped me to um, dive into my own healing in a gentle way. I would say that's one of her teachings is learning to really hold yourself in a gentle way and learning how to hold. She always says this, hold it all in the basket, you know? So it's like holding all aspects of ourselves, and without leaving anything out, we don't uh, condemn any part of ourself or our experience. And we don't have to raise ourselves up higher than anybody else. You know, you just hold yourself in the basket all together. And that's how you integrate, you know. I would say that integrating my life experience, a lot of those teachings I first started to learn from Aline. Um, and it's, it's just, um, she just helps you to, to love yourself, to just love yourself and learn what that feels like and what it looks like and what it sounds like. So she's one of my greatest teachers, um, as well as, let's see, I've had, I've had many different yoga teachers um, over the years. And um, I would say some that I resonate with the most aren't even in body, you know, they're like, Yogananda is one of them, like just books that I have access to that I have read over the years. Ananda Maima um, is another one, Neem Kuroli Baba and Ram Das. Um, I've read a lot and listened to a lot of podcasts from, from these people um, because, you know, because of modern day, I haven't met a lot of uh, like self-realized yoga masters. I don't, I don't think I've met any, you know? And so if I want to learn the real yoga, I've got to spend time with the ones who are actually steeped in that kind of consciousness and they don't live at the same time as me. And so I've spent a lot of time sort of <clears throat> reading and taking in the, those teachings in that way. Um, but there, I've come across a lot of really good people in yoga, I would say, you know, um, that are doing their best to walk in truth and to walk in beauty and to walk in a good sense of humor and to bring the teachings, you know, so that people have a place to come. I would say that Ryan, Ryan Lear is another 
dear friend and yoga teacher that I admire how he's learning to, how he's learned and is still learning how to transmit, transmit the real teachings of yoga to people in this like modern day society. You know, it's, it's a real trick to like learn how to do that. So I really honor him as well. And we really share, um, you know, love for Indigenous culture too. So those are a few of my teachers. And I would also say, you know, my ancestors are great teachers of mine and uh, my parents as well. I definitely can't leave them out. They taught me some of those core, you know, I was unconditionally loved. So grateful for that from my parents and that has definitely impacted my life. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for acknowledging all these beautiful individuals that have left a profound impact on you. Um, another teacher that you've had on your journey is ayahuasca and various other um, plant and psychedelic medicines. And there's a resurgence of research coming out from people like Dr. Gabor Mate, Max, Michael Pollan, about the power of these medicines. Can you have gotten where you are without the use of these medicines? And just what is your general uh, thought on these medicines? Are these medicines for everybody? Yeah. I'm glad we're going to talk about this. I, okay, well, could I have gotten where I am without them? It's impossible for me to answer that question because I don't know. I don't know where I would be without having done those ceremonies. So I'm not going to assume one, one way or another. And I'm just trusting that the great mystery brought me here and through that path. Um, <clears throat> as far as oh, plant medicines are concerned, that's, it was a very rich and a very deeply healing time in my life. And I'm grateful that I had the experience. And because we are living in a time of <clears throat> a very messy, chaotic time of colonization, and a lot of these practices have been and are being uh, misappropriated, right? So, <clears throat> excuse me, when when I first came to plant medicines, I didn't know anything about that. I barely even knew the conversation around colonization. I was still learning a lot. I was still sort of lost in the sauce and finding myself. I was in my, uh, my mid twenties. And so I went through those, those journeys and the medicine itself was incredible. Uh, the way that intelligence of plants speaks to body, to mind, to psyche, um, to heart, to spirit is really, really incredible. And in all indigenous cultures, there's plant medicine. I think, you know, because, because of like the mainstream and ayahuasca has gotten so big and like trendy, people just think that plant medicine only looks like that, but it's not the truth. Um, plant medicine is like having a relationship to land and growing your own food and working with um, essential oils or working with uh, flower essences like it doesn't have to be so intense it doesn't have to have a psychedelic um, aspect to it plant the world of plant medicine is very vast so I want to put that out there um, and it, it just it was just something that happened on my path I don't feel drawn to it anymore. It had its time and I moved on from it. But I think that for anyone who is interested in plant medicine, 
look at the lineage and the people who are administering it mm -hmm. because we need to take responsibility for like these spaces are potent and they are vulnerable. It takes courage. And you wanna make sure that if you're sitting with plant medicine, that you know the people who are carrying that medicine and how they walk the talk, how they live their lives, who their teachers are, who their teachers' teachers are, so that we know the big, you know, the big picture of what we're getting involved with. I didn't know all that stuff when I entered it. Um, and thankfully, you know, I, I was, I made my way through it fairly safe and sound, few bumps and bruises along the way for sure. Uh, taught me a lot about the love and light spiritual community and just, just sort of uh, ways that are harmful within the spiritual community. I definitely learned a lot about that through my ayahuasca journeys. So I would say be really mindful of you know, who it is that's carrying that plant medicine, look into them, ask them questions. And you can tell a lot from a person and even how they answer or how they don't answer. Lineage is really, really important. And um, if you can't find it there, the healing you're looking for, I guarantee you can find it somewhere else. You just keep looking, keep searching, keep talking to the creator, your ancestors, the land, you know, keep following your heart. Don't get stuck on a certain road just because you think it has to be a certain way. Um, I know a lot of this is kind of coming out with caution, but it's because of the experience that I had with plant medicine. Did it help my life? Absolutely. Um, are there red flags to look for in this modern day world when it comes to plant medicine? Absolutely. So do your research and just take really good care of yourself, I would say. Mm -hmm. I wholeheartedly agree with everything you just said. And I think it was so, so well said, beautifully said. So thank you for that wisdom. Um, I agree. Um, you've mentioned the bumps and bruises along the way, and those are inevitable on our journey. So let's take a moment to talk about some challenges, um, including the biggest challenge that you've encountered on your path and how you overcome that challenge. Hmm. Yeah, the bumps and bruises, I would say some of my personal learnings have come from uh, placing my trust in people who did not earn my trust. I would say that's very personal to me and being uh you know that i was disrespected in that way because i didn't take the time to let them earn that trust and this comes from um intimate relationships but also just relationships in general in community you know if we're talking about um, this, this quote unquote spiritual community. I don't know what else to call it. I don't really like calling it that, but <laughs> you know, the kinds of community and spaces you would find in people who are really searching um, and trying to like find that good medicine. Um, in being in those kinds of spaces, I would say um, understanding what spiritual bypassing was, that was a tough one because I was raised in a way to believe that if somebody tells you that you're a friend or that they love you, um, or that they really care for you, that they really do 
And they're not just saying it to get something from you or for status or like all these other sort of ways that can happen in these these kinds of spaces in these circles. Um, I definitely would say I experienced the, the shadow side of modern day spirituality. Um, and it, it exists everywhere. It's not just because it's modern day, like it exists everywhere because we all have shadow, like human beings have shadow. And so that shadow is gonna just show up in all these spaces. But when it comes to the, the um, you know, the spiritual seeker, it's such a vulnerable space to be in because you really are entrusting your heart and your spirit and your body to other people that you think have greater knowledge than you to help you along the way. So for me, I had to learn how to discern who I would allow to be my teachers and my guides and my friends. I had to learn boundaries. Uh, boundaries has been a huge lesson in my life. Um, I had to learn how to, um, walk with my mind in my heart and my heart in my mind so i'm i'm seeing through the heart but i'm also like discerning along the way because unfortunately you can't trust everybody and your spirit is something that needs to be protected your body is something that needs to be protected and taken good care of and so in exploring you know this is the thing about being adventurous and going on this journey is if you don't have boundaries if you don't have discernment, like you can really, you can really get hurt and lost and sort of, you know, caught up in, in certain things. So I would say that I had to learn those things. And when I was learning them, and as I did learn them, they created a lot of grounding within my system. I'm way more grounded than I ever used to be. And now when I look out into the landscape of like spiritual community or, um, and when I meet young people like in their 20s who are just getting into it now, I usually sit them down and have a little talk with them because <laughs> I wish somebody had done that for me when I was going through it. Like, OK, this is great. This is very exciting. And these are some things to look out for, you know, um, and I think that's one thing I've learned, too, is how to create a support system and make sure that you have people you actually feel safe around that you can talk to that you can check like you can check in with like reality checks and like you have um, you have people who are looking out for you while you're going through that experience. I didn't necessarily have all of that stuff until, for example, my elder showed up she showed up right on time. You know, I was, I was getting really, um, <clears throat> I was going through really hard time in the quote unquote spiritual community. And then she showed up and everything started to change. Cause I could see, I could see through the, the shadow stuff that was happening. So mentors and elders are so important. That's why we need connection to people who have lived longer than us. They have wisdom. This is one of my favorite things that my elder shares is that she says, you know, people think that wisdom is just like this amazing thing and this graceful thing that you're just born with and all this kind of stuff. But really, wisdom is born from foolishness, she says. And so the more wise the elder, I'll let you fill in the blank. <laughs> um, and so I really love that. I think that we need to spend time around wise people so that mm. maybe we have a chance of moving through our foolishness, which is going to happen naturally. We have to be foolish to grow at times, but maybe we can move through it in a bit of a gentler way. And maybe we don't have to live some of those, those, those bumps and bruises if we have guidance and support around us. 
Mm-hmm. And it's that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's trusting that when the student is ready, the teacher arrives. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I have a lot of faith in that. Um, yeah. So as a proud Cree Métis woman, I'd like to talk to you about Indigenous reconciliation and what um, we as non-Indigenous or just the world in general can do to um, help right the wrongs of the past beyond um, a land acknowledgement to check off a box. Um, how, how can we take action to change the future of this conversation? Yeah, thank you. Um, well, first of all, I love that you said more than just a land acknowledgement to check off the box, <laughs> because there is a lot of performative um, allyship, I would say, that happens. Um, when it comes to becoming an ally with any culture, you need to have ties and relationship to that culture. That's the basis of it. You know, if people are trying to support a culture, but they remain outside of it, they're not really going to be helping it because you don't know anything about the culture. You don't know anything about the people. It has to come from relationship. That is an Indigenous way of being and knowing. And um, when you have relationship to people who are deeply in the culture, they live it, it's their blood, it's their bones, it's their ancestors, then you start to really understand what that culture is what the history is really important to learn the history i'd say if you're if you are really wanting to become an ally to say indigenous people um learn the history learn the history of where we came from and where we are now and because of the colonization process that we've all been through uh the history is intense and it's heavy, um, but we've been living it for many generations. And so it's, it's in our bodies and it's in our minds. And in order to become ally to any culture, you need to be willing to stand really strong with them and take in that information and feel it, let yourself feel it, you know? So it's the same things that we've been talking about um, in this podcast. If you wanna be an ally, you need to, um really get embodied get embodied spend time with um people in the culture real friendships not fake friendships real friendships and you know indigenous people are very um we're very discerning you know we can tell when when it's a real relationship or not and we have a natural way of being where if you you have to kind of earn your way into that friendship and that takes time. So it's important for people, you know, because we're in this modern day society and it's all rush, rush and quick, quick. And we've learned to put a bandaid on things and take pills for our ailments. Dealing with the effects of colonization is not gonna be an overnight thing. There, there are so many uh, generations of trauma that have happened. It's gonna take generations of healing for us to come back into harmony um, with each other and with ourselves and with the land. So if you are going to be an ally, you need to take time, take this lifetime to form relationships and learn the history and 
uh, read the books of the elders that have passed on, you know, that are in the spirit world now, like Black Elk, learn the stories, learn the history. And from there, the, the allyship will come from a very pure place. It'll really come from the heart because you'll understand the culture, you know? Um, and then it doesn't feel like you're being asked to do this land acknowledgement and you feel awkward about it because you don't really know why you're being asked to do it and you're just regurgitating words. You have to make the allyship is is alive and it's it's based in relationship. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Um, that is a great start. So to close every interview, I ask all guests these final three questions and we've gotten to that point. The first one is a big one. Through it all, through, through all the highs and lows of this journey that is life, what has been your greatest life lesson that you've learned on the path that you feel called to share with us today? Ooh, <laughs> that is a big question. <laughs> I would say service. Everything to me seems to boil down to service, being in service and getting myself out of the way so that my actions and my choices are lifting up everything in creation a little bit even just a little bit um and that when i leave this earth walk i'm leaving it a little bit better um i can't see anything past service at this point my grandmother walked and talked about service she was always taking care of people and all of the teachers that have come into my path. The reason I am where I am is because they were in service. They put their life in service to mine to help me elevate myself. And so it's the least that I can do is to learn how to every single day when I wake up, practice my sadhana, my spiritual practice so that I can attune into the frequency of service so that I'm doing something for the earth. I'm doing something for myself. I'm doing something for my family, for my community, uh, for all of creation. That's where I want my mind and my heart to be every single day. Mm -hmm. Service. That is the key. The next question in three words, how you describe the experience you were having on this earth. Uh, three words. Wild and beautiful. Wild and beautiful. <laughs> I, I love that. All right. <laughs> the last one. The last one. I believe we are all magicians at heart. And we've already gone into the past. I'm going to transport us into the future. I'm going to transport us into the future just, just momentarily. Um, and we're going to be alongside an 85-year-old, Melina Dawn. Who is that 85-year-old elder? What is the life that you've lived? What is the legacy that you've left behind? Who are you surrounded with? Where are you? Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, it's interesting because I've often envisioned myself as an 80 something year old ever since I was a kid. I'm not sure why. Maybe that was, that's the wisdom of my ancestors or something. Um, likely, I'm living somewhere on the land that's not in a city. 
and I, I see a lot of, I see myself as being, um, have, having been through what I have or what I will be going through in my life, I see myself in this sort of content, um, sort of easygoing way of understanding the world, the way I see my elders. They've seen so many things and they have this sense of humor because they've seen it all. And, and they know what's gonna come and what's gonna go because it's the human experience. What I hope to see, what I'm dreaming into seeing, I'll, I'll reframe that, what I'm dreaming into seeing when I'm 85 is people who uh, have deep relationship to the land and to their, their um, either original culture or cultures that they are part of because they have invested in very deep relationship with those cultures. And those cultures are um, based in reciprocity. I would love to see that when I'm an elder, that the work that I'm doing now, the conversations that I'm doing now has planted seeds and, you know, or watered the seeds that ancestors have planted so that maybe we start to see some sprouts um, because I do believe that time speeds up and our consciousness speeds up. And so I would love to be surrounded by that, by people who are just walking in a good way, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just want you to stay with that 85 year old Melina just for a few moments here. And just really, if you can, just close your eyes and just feel her. Um, she is you. Um, and I'm gonna bring us back to the now. I'm gonna bring us back to the now. And that 85-year-old, she sends you a message to the present day, Melina. What does she tell you? Mm. <clears throat> what she says is to honor my uniqueness, to really honor it and to walk in it, even if it looks like it's going different from the mainstream, but honor that uniqueness and trust that I'm being held and carried all along the way. Even in the moments when I feel alone, I'm being held, I'm being guided, I'm being cared for. Mm -hmm. And you're doing it. This is it. <laughs> this is it. Indeed. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been an honor. It's been a pleasure. Um, for anyone listening that are wanting to connect with you, whether in person or online or who knows where, where can they find you? Oh, thank you. Um, well, if you're in the online landscape, you can very easily find me on Instagram. It's sort of the only one that I commit to using on a regular basis. Um, if you want to join me for yoga, oh, by the way, my 85-year-old self is definitely standing on her head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm practicing yoga until I'm very, very old. <laughs> um, but if you want to practice yoga with me, um, I, I teach online for um, through One Yoga for the People, as well as we're having some content coming out soon for the matriarch movement. Definitely look for the matriarch movement, supporting Indigenous women. Um, and yeah, you know, if you find me online, you want to um, ask me something, just shoot me a DM. I love meeting new people and talking to people and forming new connections and relationships. But those would be the places to start. Right on. Thank you so much. And to close every episode, we bring our fist in together. 
we could all join the winner circle. It starts with the choice. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so thank you so much, Melina. I'm wishing you a beautiful day. Thank you. Hi, hi.